Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. My man, Shiva Das. What's up, baby? How you feeling? Fantastic. Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk to you, uh, everybody. We are here with, I would just umbrella, we'll umbrella him as a creator, uh, Shiva Das, but musician, coach, artist, yoga instructor, everything. Um, Shiva, I'm going to throw it at you because I know we're going to be talking a lot about yoga. Uh, where did the journey start, particularly with on this yoga? Because I'm sure you spent some time in the material world. Like, When did you start getting the inkling for the spiritual side? Yeah, really, I think the first instance of seeing something different, seeing something wilder was when my family took a trip out west and we went to Sedona. We went to uh, places in New Mexico, Arizona. And this was kind of my first dive into like this this world of like crystals and dream catchers and yin yangs and things like that. Uh, had, hadn't really been exposed to any of that growing, growing up in Cleveland. Um, but at the same time, like I, was, I always found myself being kind of a spirit, more spiritual person. I always went to church with my mom, like a good uh, a Catholic boy, you know, right? So then when I went out West, it was like, oh, wow, there's a whole nother world out here. And it was an introduction to Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, um, things of this nature. Beautiful. Yeah. So you're okay. So you're from Ohio. Yeah. Grew up in Cleveland. So how was it dealing with, because I'm a kid from Brooklyn and, you know, we you kind of end up being creative from your society in a way. How was yeah. it when you started getting this feeling? Because I'm sure it was always there and then it kind of exploded yeah. when you got to the West. How was was that? Did people figure you were like a spiritual guy or that? Or did, you, did this kind of flow out of you once you got to the West? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I was always the artistic kid. So like, you know, okay. no offense to East Coasters, to Clevelanders. You know, th- there's a certain lifestyle for, for men that's expected, which is sports, beer, things like this, golf. And I, I was good at some of the sports. I was fun at it, but like, it didn't want it to like consume my life. So that's kind of when I started looking for other things, and getting interested in other things. Uh, in particular though, art was always the thing through childhood that one thing I was good at and through probably the one thing through high school that kept my GPA halfway decent was mm-hmm. being good at art. So, you know, from my earliest, earliest memories, I was always phenomenal at art kind of, you know, and then the artist kind of brings in the, the, ephemeral into the into the real so I was always really connected as a kid always really encouraged by my parents to pursue art and it just kind of kept uh, unrolling from there beautiful man yeah, no that's interesting I'll tell you Matt uh Michiva, I'm sorry I went, I went old school to the art side that's yeah, okay um, yeah what happened was I've been watching football my entire life I played it in high school and like this is the first year I'm just not watching it and I couldn't believe like, yeah. I spent 10 hours every Sunday looking at a full screen. I'm like, what, what the hell was I doing? Now my Sundays are fantastic. So I'm like, I think I just pushed all this stuff aside. And even now art has become more prevalent in my life. It's just like yep. having nice pieces. I got this little dualistic piece somewhere over here, in my back, but um, like what? Cause when I, when I would go to on a school trip and I would see art and I'd be like, Oh, this is not nonsense. And now I take a girl, you know, you go, whatever. And now I'm like, I'm looking at the transcendence of the soul in a way. And I'm, like, I'm starting to see it. I'm just peeking. I'm, yeah. I'm not there yeah. yet. But what does it mean to you? And how would you describe like what that art is? I know you just use, use that word ephemeral. That seems close. But what, how would you describe it? 
Okay, I want to get to that question, but you actually brought up something before that, which was, you know, talking about football and transitioning to having more time. And I want to preface that with like, I enjoy sport. I love competition. I'm a very competitive person. I'm kind of naturally gifted uh, at at a lot of different athletic things, but I was I never found that thing that I was like super amazing at, right? So I'm, I was always like the decent pick on the team, right in the middle, fast, things like that. So like, I don't want to downplay the importance of uh, athletics and uh, you know, keeping your body healthy. Cause that's actually a very important aspect of yoga, sure. but at the same time, we want to always make sure we're not obsessing over things. And I think maybe American culture has leaned a little towards obsessing with it. And a lot of men in America don't know what else to do. That's so, interesting. yeah. Yeah. So, so with that, you gave yourself an example, the same thing happened to me. Once I realized I didn't need to obsess over football every weekend. And then also what I realized is it was controlling my emotions it was controlling my moves. You know, when my team loses, I lose a day because I'm so emotionally invested, right? So if we kind of take a step back, we can maybe even consider that this is a, you know, a control mechanism to keep us in a state of consumption, to keep us in a state of uh, consuming and, uh, you, know, you know, mood fluctuation, right? Uh, so when we start to dial that back, we get, realize first we get, oh, I get a bunch of time back. And then second, you maybe even start to realize that your, your emotions are being, you know, maybe manipulated on some level. So we can begin to start taking our emotional, emotional body back. And I think this is really important for men to realize. Dude, that is a, that is a great point. Cause it's like around my cousins, there's, you know, we're more into, we have the sci-fi cousins and the sports cousins yeah. and, you know, yeah, yeah, we just yeah. call each other the dorks and we're in the Dungeon Dragon shirt. Yeah. And now it's like, <laughs> I, you go to the, the sports cousins and it's like, yeah, we are just talking about the giants or the jets and you being from. Cleveland, Jesus Christ, I just feel bad for you and your soul, yeah, it's but yeah. it's just a mess. But like, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I, I played uh, my first two years college football. I, I still like it. It's just like, you know, like the game last night, the Chargers and the Chiefs, everybody's up. I'm like, I'll turn it on fourth quarter. I'm like, that was a good game. Like, you know, it's exactly how you're saying, because I think when you start getting more into this other, not another reality, just kind of layering yourself, it's just like you see, not, not that what's more important, because, you know, let everything, whatever is the meaning you give it, right? But like, it's just, I, I can just go read a book for, for an hour or two hours. Like, it's just, it's just being more, not exactly like the word you said. And it's so funny you brought this up because I was just talking to my cousin about this other. You, now you add gambling to it. That's legalized. And, and also, yeah. and it's like, Jesus Christ, like how much more um, kind of control do you want people to be? You're talking about football enough. Now you got betting on it. Your money's involved. It just seems that the more the technology speeds up, the more we need these softer practices, whether you want psychology or spirituality, you need them to kind of balance each other out. Cause everybody's kind of, I feel like everybody's walking unconscious and not realizing that that's the case. Yeah. And essentially what we want to try to do is walk the middle way uh, with a lot of this. And this is kind of where this is Eastern thinking comes in. And, and it's not just, again, not to say sports are bad. Gambling's bad. Like gambling can be fun. Gambling can be, um, you know, you have to gamble a little bit in life to, to pursue things you want to do to take risks, right? So everything's good in moderation. What, you know, studying these Eastern philosophies have taught me is just bringing all that into balance and not going too heavy in one way or the other and staying on the line. And, 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 and that's different from everyone, uh, for everyone. And I want to bring up a concept too that, you know, this was talked about during the Renaissance, which was like the Vitruvian man. You know, the Vitruvian man is a whole 360 man. And this is actually why I started practicing all eight limbs of yoga so deeply is because it balances the whole entire body. It balances the whole entire system. Um, and then to talk about the Vitruvian man, it's a man of the arts. It's a man of philosophy. It's a man of athletics. It's a man of uh, being involved socially. You know, 
cultivating uh, this within ourselves. And again, I don't want to just speak to men, but I feel like there's a, there's an opportunity, you know, with the sports dialogue to, to talk about that. And this, this goes for women as well. And I don't want to, you know, segment uh, that uh, group of your audience, but cultivating this person that's well-rounded. And I think actually women often have that more, more often than men. They, they have a little bit of a 360 cultivation because they're more in tune with their feminine side. They're more in tune. Like you said, your, your girl brings you to a museum, right? Mm -hmm. So like they're already in tune with that stuff. So as a man in our current culture, we, we need to begin to attune ourselves to these uh, other ways of viewing the world, other ways of doing other interests, you know, um, again, like not to bring it back to sports. I think it's such an easy uh, thing to yeah. pick on, but like there's more to Sunday than, you know, obsessing. Exactly. And even if, if you want to take, I just always felt that I was, I would still say I'm, I'm, I've learned that balance this year in, in 2021, we're more like I'm focusing more on that, but I would say I was that obsessive westernized guy that wanted money and power, financial service firm, hedge fund. And, you know, we could switch the sports to money yeah. and you'll see that guys will sacrifice 80, hundred hours a week. They'll sacrifice their, their relationships with their friends, with their families, mm -hmm. with their wives, all this stuff to make money. And, and everything you're saying, by the way, that's like my goal too, Vitruvian man. The whole point of this podcast is to bring that mind, body, and spirit. Shiva knows I went to the gym before we banged out legs. I got a, like 25% douchiness in me. So we're, we're doing absolutely, it. Absolutely, like, baby. Absolutely for me. Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> but this whole idea of balance, I think, is was kind of lied to us for the last 30 years of like, no, you got to go 100% and you got to, and like this hustle culture, I get it. You got to work hard, but you don't got to sacrifice. Like, I feel like I was going, I, I always felt like I had to go, you can't go. 60, 70, 80% in four to five things. I just yeah. got to go 100% in one thing. And that's when we get to the top. And it's like, well, you don't realize what you lose when you get to the top of things, A. And B, life is more vibrant in color and just more, I don't know, there's just more, I don't know what the word is, like gist to it when when mm. you're dabbling in these different things. So I'm going to talk to you after this. I'm talking to a philosopher. And then I'm going to talk to a scientist. Then I'm going to you know, go out with the boys. It's just like a nice different thing. And I think some people want to like, the way the mind works, you just categorize people like you're this, you're that. And now, mm -hmm. Shiva, people have just, I'm just confusing people left to right. It's like, oh, you're in the gym, but you're doing this, but I'll go out and get bottle service too. We do that. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's seeing whatever goes. And I, I used to think that that was like confusing. Like, who am I? Mm -hmm. And now I'm realizing, mm -hmm. oh, it's everything. That's the answer. It's like, you yeah. want to be, you want to be everything. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, philosophy within uh, Vedic philosophy is, you know, the divine, the spirit isn't everything. And that's, it's more of a, downward upward kind of realization versus uh monotheism is a is a downward inward we're a inward outward so realizing when you start inward that everything is actually you know and we're even afraid to use the term in our generation i think sometimes everything is god everything is spirit you begin to have a different relationship to things and like you said you begin to cultivate uh other aspects of the self that you know we're maybe not being paid attention to and you're like oh actually you know, when I talk to philosophers, when I talk to yogis, that actually informs the way I work out or that actually informs the way I am at work. And it makes me a better, it makes me a better athlete. It makes me a better uh, partner. It makes me a better, uh, you know, coach, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And I think men probably think, you know, this is, you go up a social hierarchy on that one level, but what you're doing, like, like now I feel when I go to a meeting with billion, like I, everybody knows what I do, I deal with billionaires and it's all fun. But like, I see myself talking to these guys about the stuff I'm talking about with you when I, I would have never, I would have thought like, oh, this is weird stuff. And it's like, oh, because now, now what happens is you walk into the meeting, it's like, do you have a podcast? And I was always like nervous to, to, to bring that side out because the suit, the business guy. Now it's like, nah, motherfucker, we do it. We're talking about the mind and it, it infiltrates everything in your life.
philosophically, cool. spiritually, physically, metaphysically, everything. Yeah. And that, that, that's the interesting thing is when I actually, you know, so like, you know, I went, I took that trip out West with my family, right? How Came old were you then flip. at this point? Oh man, I was probably 13, maybe. Okay. So like, like I was, I was kind of like the older, the older cousin, the older brother that was kind of, you know, so like I was like the bridge in between the adults, but like I was having my kind of own experience, um, you know, even within that trip. So then when I come back, I realize uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on. And uh, where was I going to go with that one? Oh, no, I wanted to bring it back to the fact that a lot of these, and so, so then as I continue my spiritual path later on in life, I realized a lot of these high profile guys, these successful people, um, even a lot of their wives are into the crystals, they're into the spiritual side, they're into Reiki, they're into getting massages, they're into taking care of the body. And I think this is almost maybe not even talked about that much. I think, um, I, you know, a lot of guys might be silently doing it afraid to actually truly talk about it, afraid to actually be themselves, afraid to actually say like, oh no, you know what, this is, this is good for me. This is why I do it. And I think that's, that's, that's changing within the, especially within the last four or five years I've noticed. And especially too, I actually went through a serious uh, burnout end of last year. And, you know, even for, you know, a hippie yogi type type guy who, you know, I I work a full-time job. I work uh, as a creative director for Google, Microsoft, Apple, all these companies. I've done work for them. But man, I got burned out at the end of last year with all my yoga side hustles, all my art side hustles, and I, and I crashed hard. And I thank God I had my practices to, to fall back on. So I want to encourage people, you know, you know, work hard, but also balance that other side of life with uh, cultivating all these other things we're talking about, the spirit, the body, the mind. How was it growing up as a, because I'm, I'm saying I only went to private Catholic school my whole life. How was it? navigating through that process as, as a young adult. Cause I, I just, it never felt right to me. You know, we kind of, we just were born with guilt and you're born with original sin and you owe something yeah. to this other God. And, you know, yeah. in the Eastern philosophies, it's totally different. You, you are God in, in the way mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you are the, the, the God itself. How, mm-hmm. how was that navigating through that? And how did your, you know, how, how did, what did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, when I was living in Cleveland and we're just, we're just, we're, we're not, we're not trying to shit on Cleveland here, but we're just, talking what it was um i always had a deep sense and connection to spirit i I love the stories in the bible i love uh this concept of jesus i just didn't like some of the things that came along with it like shame guilt these things right and i and i just thought it was very strange that you're born with all these you know you know things they put on you and it's like man i'm just trying my best i didn't ask for any of this right so as i began to study other things i realized you can actually have your own kind of personal um, spirituality, you know, which is, you know, separate from a major religion. And, you know, a lot of people ask me if I'm Hindu and I wouldn't even say I'm Hindu, honestly, I would say like, I'm a Vedic yogi because actually what, um, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a way of being. And actually, you know, if we really take a step back, that's actually what all these spiritual teachers are teaching in the first place. They're not teaching a religion. They're teaching a way of being. So if we actually strip, strip the isms, the, the thisms from, from everything, you know, there's a way of being that um, all these guys, all these women were talking about, right? Because there's uh, sages and saints all through, all through time. And, you know, you asked the question about how was that transitioning? Well, you know, there was definitely an awkward period with my family and there still, still is sometimes, but at the end of the day, this is my life's journey. And it, you have to take control of your life because 
we're all going to die, right? And I think this is something we're both interested in talking about, which is death. And actually, death is actually guiding a lot of our decisions in our everyday life. We're just not aware of it. And this, this fear of death that we just don't talk about in society is kind of permeating through all our decisions and through all our uh, fears and excitements. And, you know, we, that's why we want it. That's why we become addicted because we, we want to get all these uh, experiences in before, before we're gone. And the more we talk about death, the more we acknowledge it, the more we prepare for it. And that's actually also what yoga does is to help you prepare for death, to have a good death. You know, you, you might have hear, hear these words on like, you know, some sort of a, a medieval show or things like that. Like, oh, I want a good death, things like that. But that's not very far off from uh, how I want to die. Right. One of my teachers always used to joke with us. He said, you don't want to be laying on your back in a, a nursing home with two and a half men on the TV. That's not how you want to die. Right. And, and actually I had a flashback to actually being in hospice with my, my grandmother uh, uh, that was experiencing that very thing. And it was just like this pull back of the curtain as, as we, as we say, in kind of these uh, spiritual circles, the, the curtain is removed. And you're actually see, you're seeing another layer of reality and you're like, Oh my God, that's not what I want. You know, I want to be meditating some good music on some candles you know, like thinking about these things, because this is the biggest transition of all. Um, and, and what I've learned through studying, you know, my studies in the Vedas and in and, and Buddhism is that, you know, we're, we're all here, of course, temporarily, and we want to prepare ourselves to, to, to transition well. So that's what um, a lot of these practices do. That is that is beautiful. And when did this start? Um, when did you start kind of contemplating death more? Cause I think there's something interesting that happens to your mind mm -hmm. when you get close to it and you hear this when your death experiences that something kind of turns on. And, um, I haven't spoken about what happened yet. People are going to see this episode come out with, with Shiva on Monday, but I got, I got jumped this weekend. Uh, Shiva. It's crazy. Yeah. So Jeez. you can see it here. We had some stitches, whatever. I figured it out. I'm going to play a surgeon and like, yeah, I got lucky. But if you told me I was jumped by three African-Americans and uh, blindsided, I would have been like in bad shape. I would have been, A, I feel grateful. But B, I feel like I, not that I stood it in the face because they, I got hit. They said, run your shit. And I was like, that's not going to happen. For people who are listening, don't do what I do. Just give up your shit. I run a different ship, Shiva, because I'm going to die on my shield. That's just how it goes down. And there was something about this experience that I can't, I would say I was in a rut before. And by going through it, not that they had weapons right there, I was close to it, but just by going through it, I feel a lot, I don't know, better or more confident or just more like I, I'm more resourceful and resilient than I thought. I don't know. It's a very small, minor thing, but it's very interesting how something, how people could look at chaos and kind of, you know, something I'm looking at like it's a good thing. I, I think I'm kind of used to bad shit happening. So maybe that's why, but that was just a little, that was my weekend. That, that, that's never happened before. So don't think I'm out here starting shit, but it's just New York is crazy. It's crazy. No, I mean, yeah, the world, the world. And that's, that's the other thing we're talking about earlier is like being athletic, being fit to, to be prepared for these altercations, but at the same time, cultivating a mindset to prepare for uh, situations that that we just had no clue were going to happen. So in this instance, um, did you, you know, they asked for your money, they asked, and you put up a fight or what happened? So what happened was I was, and everybody, I'm going to do, I may do an episode on this left. I may have somebody come on, we'll talk about it. But like, I was on my phone waiting for the Uber after dinner, Moxie Hotel, beautiful stuff. Nowhere, boom, I get jabbed up. So I don't, I stumble, whatever. Three black dudes. And they're like, run your shit. I was like, it's not going to happen. 
So we started tussling a little bit. I'm not a fighter. Shiva, I can't really throw. I just knew, like, get one off me. So I pushed one. The other two started tussling. By that point, people intervened. Thank God. Shout out to security. Um, so it wasn't that crazy. Maybe it was like a 90-second situation. But I think- No weapons? They, were, they, didn't, they didn't ask for money or anything? Yeah, they said, run your shit, which means- like, Oh, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, oh, oh no, no, you're good. They were like, give us, give us all the shit. I'm wearing nicer things. I have about- you know, two nice diamond necklaces. I have what, and I'm like, it's just not going to happen. I, I was just ready not to care about that. It was more like, I'm not going to let malevolence and evil stand in my city, or at least I'll try to put up a fight. So the second I said that I just, something switched in their eyes of, well, this wasn't the way we expected it to go. And apparently mm. they did this four to five times to tourists. Cause that, that's more of a tourist spot, the, the Moxie hotel. And everybody's just giving up their shit. Um, and again, people don't do what I do. I'm just an idiot. And I can't help myself. Um, but there was just something that changed me since that. Like, I feel great this week. It's weird. A little black eye, put some stitches, and I'm good, Shiva. I couldn't, I can't really understand. And I think this comes back to, to, to the death piece of we're always having this kind of dualistic fight mm. with the physical self and the symbolic self. And the way would I believe, and you could tell me what your thoughts are, is why yoga transcends that symbolic self. That's really all we care about. You're, it's transcending the symbolic self. What, do you, what is mm. your opinion on that? You know, it's really interesting because I was listening to your story and I'm like, man, I don't think I would have, like, I, I'm also a person who likes to stand my ground at the same time. I know odds and I know, um, here, here's my take on it. <laughs> there, 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 there's also like a, a Taoist philosophy, um, of like bending and being water. Bruce Lee talks about this, right? So, you know, water can, can crash or it can take form, right? So when you get hit, you can take form, right? Like you can, you can, you can take, take the form of, of how that hits coming in and reduce and reduce it. Right. Or, you know, you can come at it and, and crash against it. So in, in this instance, crashing worked um, for you. It, it, it caught the opponent off guard. Right. But I was thinking, well, I know time is short. Life is short. Um, if I was by myself, I probably would have just been here you go. Right. But I probably also wouldn't have had a diamond necklace because it, and again, we're different men and different upbringings and different life experiences. I'm wondering, it's always good for me to actually hear these stories as a, as a practicing yoga, because I've gotten a few altercations. Actually, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was actually traveling in, um, cause it's, it, I wasn't trying to tell you how I would have do it. I was just, you know, listen to your story. I was no. Like, oh, and listen, dude, I am not, I I've learned like my old case, I'm not really, a, I'm not a fighter or anything. Yeah. And uh, trust me, learn my lessons here. Cause it's like the first time out with a freaking thing. I'm an idiot, but I knew I was near, like, this is the scary part. I was like 50, 60 feet away from the, a big hotel with people out front. So yeah. I was just trying to make noise. I was just, I was like, I'm not, not no, no way I'm taking this down. I was like, I just, I needed to make some noise to, to just get some it, people over. Cause like security was right. You know, these guys just didn't, that's what scares me. It's like, it's like it's when fine. the, yeah, it's yeah. scary. But go, what was what was your altercation? Well, I always look at these 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 these. Uh, it's kind of like these butterfly moments, right? You're pushed through this vortex, and you you come out the other side. You you said you're looking at life a little bit differently. You're you're approaching things differently, right? And my question would be, you know, if that happens again, how will you react differently? You know, these these are questions I would ask myself. Like, how can and and that's what you know deep introspection does is like okay. I handled it this way this time. Okay, what if it goes a different way next time? How can I be prepared? Uh, or how, how can I put my mind through these uh, mental paces without going too crazy? But what happened to me was I was uh, I met, met up with my family in Costa Rica for vacation. Um, we stayed at a great 
house on, uh, on, a, on a mountain overlooking the beach, did the vacation with the family. I was like, I'm going to stay a few days in the capital before I fly out. I stayed like two days. I just wanted to get a sense, you know, take some time. And I did literally the day I'm leaving, I go get some food. It's a great experience. I go to the park and then this guy just starts with me and you know, he's homeless. He speaks, you know, both languages. I think he was actually from America actually. And just had been living down there for like most of his life. And he just was decided that I was the guy he was going to mess with that day. And normally he said, he said something that triggered a little fear in me. and he, then he sensed it. Right. He sensed it. Mm. You know, right? these, these people are like, they're like animals with this stuff that, that want to elicit more fear, more confrontation out of you. There's a difference between being blindsided inside the head. You know? What did he say? Shiva, if you don't mind me. I, I honestly can't even remember. Okay. Point. okay. And it just kept rolling. He asked me for money. I was like, oh, I, I literally had like, three, four or $5 to take a cab to the airport. And cause I, I, I like managed my budget perfectly that, that trip. Right. And I had the exact money I needed to get the airport. And he's like, I know you have money. I was like, well, yeah, but I don't, I, I can't get the money to you. And he's like, so he, he got upset that I lied to him in the beginning that I said, I didn't have money. I was like, well, man, you can, you can be upset with me. I was like, I'm going to wish you a good day. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. So I just love the situation. Guy just follows me across. The, this is a giant park. He just follows me across the whole park. Anyways, long story short, I'm, I'm about to drop this guy. I'm pretty sure I could take him. Not sure if he has a knife. And something comes to me. One of my teachers, uh, he, who's in the afterlife, um, I actually never met him in the body. I, I had a relationship with the teacher out of the body through um, reading his books. And this is actually what um, some of the sadhus and teachers of India will tell you is that you can actually create a, you know, a lot of people do this with Jesus, right? In the, in the West here. Um, you can cultivate a really great relationship with the teacher, even though you've never met them. So my master, Yogananda, Pramahansa Yogananda comes to me. He says, is there another way to resolve this altercation? And I said, damn it, you're right. And I said to the guy, I said, hey, man, I teach meditation. I think we're both upset. How about if you meditate with me? I'll give you a couple bucks. And he's like, it, like it caught him by, it just caught him by surprise. So we sat down and we meditated in the park um, for only a few minutes. Cause like I was, I was trying to, I was trying to do at least 10, 10 minute meditation. It's nothing for me these days. And that's not to brag. It's just like, you know, I do 10, at least 10 minutes every day and uh, maybe two minutes in three minutes. in, he goes, thank you. I was like, you want that dollar or whatever? He's like, no man, keep it. Thank you. And just walked away. And like to that day, it just, that sort of thing is always in the back of my mind. Now, of course, it's different if someone just walks up to me and clocks me in the face. I want to be like, I don't don't wear jewelry. I'll be like, here, take my mala. But, but, you know, that's the same thing though. It's like, what gift can I give you that is beyond the material? Essentially, I think is the, is the, is the lesson there. Um, Yeah. No, dude, that, that's, that's a beautiful story. And I honestly, I was telling my my sis my sister's a detective in the NYPD. She's just trying to. I said these guys would have just came up and asked for money. Probably would have just got money. It's just, it's just it's something I I didn't. I was so emo- you're so emotional after you hit. I kind of just lo- it it worked in this situation. Thank God. But that wasn't me. Like I'm not a. I just got. I kind of lost my shit because I was like, you're not. I'll have to fucking kill me. Whatever. All the silly stuff. But your way. Yeah, I lost my shit. It was my sister saw the video. She's like, you lost your fucking mind, huh? I was like, yeah. Well, I just, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. If you if you were if you were we're not having this conversation if, if if they actually kill you. So like thinking about it like that, like was it worth it? Was it worth it to be 
you know, alpha male in that, in that instance, it was a worth no. it to, to cook. Okay. Right. So like, if it happens again, are you just gonna be like, here's a, here's a diamond necklace. Or, or are you even gonna wear the diamond necklace out? Because it sounds like no. you're the type of guy that's like, I'm still gonna wear this because no, I don't no, have no, no, fear. And that's also an important concept. Well, I think there's an there's one way to live live in like don't live in fear where you could stand your ground to a way, but like in reality, if I wasn't in that mindset, like if three dudes came up to me, it was just a very weird thing. If three dudes are walking up the alley, if I'm by myself, I'm giving up everything. I can't fight. I literally, yeah. you know, it's more that was just a, such a weird situation. Um that you know, like some of the altercations I've had in New York have kind of ended that I would not, not similar where they're meditating to you, but like, you know, cut off somebody when these tough guys come out of the car and I'm like, dude, are you okay? Like, what's going on here? Like, are you, yeah. are you fine? That's yeah. like a little bit of an overreaction. That's usually how I react to things. Like, let's just talk about it. Like, I know I was wrong. I cut you off. Definitely. Do you want to fight me now? Like, I'm not, I'm not scared to get hit. But I just don't want to fight. Like, I'm not a fighter. So in that case, I think it was just more fight or flight mode. Um, when usually I'm more of the, I'll just like, let's talk this through or give you a, it's just okay. um yeah yeah no but that's it, really it took, cool. me, it took me a long time to get there it took me dude that was a so long time. you mentioned uh that yogananda you, you were talking to the, yeah, the, the, the founder of the kriya yoga is that yeah kriya yoga that's right oh yeah. man self-realization that's... fellowship yes beautiful. beautiful and what's beautiful about that practice is so the first time i went to one of those temples like i, I had gotten a little they make these uh the organization self-realization fellowship srf they make these little books and they're just like little deep dives into like an aspect of this teaching. And I got one, then I got another one. Then I got like, I was, I had like four or five of this one. I was like, okay, maybe it's time to go to the temple. When I went to the temple, they literally have uh, Jesus, Jesus and Krishna at the altar. And that like blew my mind. Cause I was like, well, wait a second here. I thought I had to be one or the other. And it's like, but that's the whole message of his teaching that this is in fact all one. Uh, and then you'll also see his other, uh, uh, yoga teachers up on the altar as well, because uh, in, in India, yoga and the Vedas, there is a lineage and the teachings are passed on to the, to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. So uh, we have Jesus, we have Krishna, we have all the yoga teachers on the altar. And it's like, wait, what this, this destroys, you talk about death, right? And death doesn't always have to be um, dying and transitioning to the next realm. Death can be a way of a, a, a mindset, right? I've had to die many times in my mind at my uh, concepts that I thought were so structured. So this is how it is uh, with my construct of reality had to die. I literally had to connect. And it's essentially, you know, new neural networks are being created in your brain uh, for new opportunity, for creativity, for ways of seeing the world and being confronted with, um, you know, an Eastern and a Western religion on the same altar was like the best thing that happened to me. It actually excited me. It actually made, it actually validated the way I had secretly been feeling about spirituality my whole life. Um, and sometimes you just need to you know, be snapped out of it with, a, you know, a visual, I'm an artist, a visual person, right? Just seeing that, you know, you can, there's, there's reading about it, but then there's, you know, having a direct experience. And this is also something we talk about within the yoga lineages is having a direct experience of the divine is probably the best thing that can happen to you because then no one can take that away from you. No amount of science, no amount of this, that, or the other thing can, can take away the, the direct experience I've had of my own divinity and connection to source. And that's the most beautiful thing. And that's what I try to help cultivate in other people. Oh, man, that's good, dude. Then <laughs> as far as, um, like I was trying to think of that question I asked to, to lead all this before I got into the my story. Yeah. Um, the the question of how 
you are tr- lib- you're confronting fear and liberating yourself from death through yoga. Mm-hmm. How would you put that into words? Or is that even something you could even put into words? I know that's but part of this issue is when you're trying to talk about stuff, you just can't, some of it just can't, yeah. doesn't come out the right way. Yeah. I think even the way you said it's, it's quite elegant. Um, that's a lot to unpack though, but essentially the eight limbs of yoga that have been kind of organized in these last couple hundred years present themselves in a way that is a kind of like a way of living life, but much like, and, and there are similarities. I'm actually maybe going to write a piece about this or incorporate this in some of my teaching. You know, there are similarities between like the 10 commandments and the yamas and niyamas, right? So like the yamas are restra- uh, restraints. Um, the, the niyamas are observances. So restraints of how to act in the world. So this is talking about non-harming, truth, telling the truth, not stealing, um, being non-attached to things. So these are outward, outward observances. Um, and then you have the niyamas, which are the inward observances. This is being cleanly, uh, contentment, um, excitement for life, uh, self-study, you know, and then also surrender. So like there are parallels between the okay. East and the West. We're just saying everything in, in, a, in a different way. But what I've liked about yoga, and this is trying to get to answer your question is the system keeps going beyond that. And it talks about, uh, and that's actually where the most popular aspect of yoga here at the West, which is asanas, that's the third limb. Um, these are the postures of yoga, right? And this is the athleticism of yoga that, you know, everyone wants a hot yoga body. Yoga is so popular, especially in LA, the West Coast. And it's, it's, it's really popular in, in uh, some niches in New York and it's growing, it's growing and growing and growing on the East Coast specifically. But it's this physical posture, um, you know, I never really read how to work out in the Bible, right? <laughs> like, and, and, and it's not to shame on the Bible. It's just like, oh, there's this whole other way of spirit, you know, spiritually living your life that includes staying fit. And then, it, and then it goes beyond that too, as well. So then we get to pranayama and that includes the breath, the breath. that includes how to breathe. Right. So like, for example, um, you seem to have a pretty good handle on con- control of your breath because, you know, there's a few stories you've told about, guys get out of the car and wanting to go with you. And you're like, Hey, let's just take a breath here. And there's a reason this expression exists. Like take a deep breath, like, right. And I'm even getting excited to talk about this. I can just regulate myself real quick, come back to my baseline. Right. But like there are literal pages and documents of different techniques and different ways of doing this breathing of the, of these breathing techniques that can help you live a, a, a balanced life. And this is, a, this is one I, I like to give to everyone real quick. So, you're feeling upset if you're feeling worked up you're angry at your spouse you're angry at your kids or whatever it's usually it's anger i use that example for me because i have anger that's, yeah, that's yeah. the number one issue my anger my short temper and my impatience these are the things i work on so yeah right i'm sure as a new york, new york guy you can probably relate yeah um so real easy double inhale double exhale so double inhale through the nose double exhale through the mouth you can do this about six to a dozen times. I can even feel it right now. I'm standing up. It just shifts your body. It, it shifts, it shifts you out of, um, cause what happens with your breathing is it's a, there's a specific scientific term, but it is a thing that just happens without you having any control over it. Right. Just like your eyes see, unless your eyelids are closed, 
your mouth is your your lungs are breathing in air and it's in a normal and it's in your normal breathing pattern so if you do something to disrupt your normal breathing pattern by double inhaling maybe even holding at the top so and then even being empty at the end and just observing what it is to be empty you know these small practices it sounds strange helps with preparing for death. Just like posing the body keeps you healthy so you can not be too crippled or depleted when your body's transitioning. Like, yes, we're all gonna become frail, but you know, you can live a healthier, longer life up until that point of death. You can be in control of your breathing when that moment of transition comes, right? But the benefit actually is, we get to actually use it in our daily life. Um, so it's, it's a large roundabout way of answering the question, but like the thing is, with these practices, it's not like a direct, immediate thing. This is something that, this is why we call it practice. This is why there's no yoga competitions. Although I'm sure America will do something. Absolutely. I'm like dreading the day that happens uh, that we turn yoga. I mean, it's already turning into a competition in a lot of yoga studios. There's a lot of teachers that um, you know can be very strict. And there's even different schools within yoga that are very strict and very conforming and very, you know, and I, I think that's a little problematic because the whole idea is to develop a practice. And this is something your own that practice. You just, yeah, your own practice, yeah, something that, that you do, something that becomes familiar to you, something that you like. And I think the beauty of it too is like, you know, you got into asana, you got into the, the movement practice, but just knowing that there are, you know, more practices to incorporate is, is you know, exciting for me. I always like to nerd out, you know, you got Dungeons and Dragons shirt on. Like, I love sci-fi, I love all that stuff. And I like to nerd out about these little worlds. So that's kind of how it happened for me. I was like, oh, this helped me. Okay, what about this aspect? Okay, wow. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, hundreds of ways of breathing, hundreds of uh, modalities that you can work into your body and some are easier than others. And actually, you know, one, one last thing and I'll move on from breath, but every, you know, I'm looking at back at my yoga mat, but every morning I do what I have is called a sadhana. And this is a Sanskrit word. And I'm probably gonna butcher the meaning right now because I haven't looked at it in a while, but essentially it's like, it's like the best way I can describe it is like, the practice uh, of connecting to the divine, essentially. And it's like the tools that help you connect, right? Um, so for me, it's like, I usually wake up, I do uh, a hit workout. I've been big into hip workouts the last couple of years. I like to move, I like to move my body. I like to be controlled my body. That's one thing yoga has taught me because I used to do, I used to be, you know, bigger and, you know, jacked. But what yoga taught me is like, you know, I was actually reducing my range of motion in my body um, by having, uh, muscles when I couldn't get my elbows to touch. Um, I was like, and, and that was for a very long period of time. And I realized I didn't have that range of motion, um, you know, to even like maybe go like this. I was like, well, that's, that's, that doesn't seem optimal. Right. Cause like if I was surviving, if I was living off the land, if I was climbing a, a cliff face, I would need to probably be the build of a soccer player build, you know, I'm, or, or like a martial artist, right. Kind of, kind of, that's kind of where my body type is now. Sure. And where I was going with that. So that's go, going back to my morning routine, my sadhana, and that's hit workout. So what I like about that is it's, uh, we use a little bit of weight, but it's, it's pretty minimal. And we're, we're moving the body in different ways. You know, we're, we're doing range of motion workouts. We're incorporating, you know, a lot of the body using the floor, using our own body weight. So I like to start with that. And again, this is going to be different for everyone. Find what works for you. I'd like to offer up, uh, uh, what I've found for like t two decades of, of self-study. 
Um, and then I like to roll that into like asana and that's, that's the movement practice of yoga. So that's posing. And, you know, I've done yoga teacher trainings, things like this. I've been practicing for over a decade. So I can go through uh, a quick yoga flow in 20 minutes. And that's, that's the thing too. Like people don't need to realize, like it doesn't always need to be an hour, a half hour yoga class. Like if you could commit to doing yoga t- uh, twice a week, uh, three times a week for 20 minutes, like that is just as much as going to one yoga class a week, but then you'll get the benefits the longer in the week by doing it. Every day, right. So that this kind of how I look at it. It's like, you can kind of nerd out and maximize it, right. You can, you can use your analytical mind uh, to, to figure out the best way to balance it for yourself. Yeah. I guess that's the best part of all these things. It's like it, you kind of get it to do it. Like I learned from asking the Shivas. I was asked, like, "What's your meditation practice?" And everyone was like, "Can't, can't talk about that because it's your practice." That's why I don't even, not even ask you what kind of meditation. Oh, well, we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bro, please. Uh, I, but well, I, we're gonna get, we're gonna get there. So that's only half the morning practice. Yeah, dude, that's what yeah. that's what I'm talking about. As I I start off with the pranayama breath work, which I'm ta- yeah. I'm gonna take that and add that to to my technique because I really like yeah. that little that that double breath in. <laughs> and I would say I, that's probably some. I was doing basic, you know. In, in through single nostrils, out through both, just to kind of calm down my, my parasympathetic nervous system. Then moving to, I because I, I was not familiar with the eight limbs and I was Googling mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh, so I do pranayama. That's one. Yeah, and yeah. then I jumped A lot to, of us do it already. Yep. Yeah. And then I jumped to, uh, I believe it was Durana, which is the focus concentration, which is, I do like a focus oh, meditation yeah, yeah. for a little bit. And then, I, you know, work out, do all the, that stuff. And then I, I was, know. yeah. All right. Yeah. And then move to, um, I, but right before I start work, I just like doing, like you said, 20 to 30 minutes every day of, of yoga. But it's been hard because like, how would you, it's just hard because there's so many different styles and like, where would you suggest somebody starts? Like if just, because even if, if they're overwhelmed, like where should I start? What's a basic technique of the, of the ancient studies and of where we should start with yoga? Well, actually you, you mentioned a few interesting things there. Um, I said, oh, I do something, uh, you know, real simple, easy. But actually, the longer you practice, like this, what I've discovered is like the longer you practice, it's actually these simple beginner techniques are often the best. They right? are. So, right? like, I, I've been coming back to a lot of beginner techniques in my practices and realizing it's not about this, this fluffy stuff or it's not about all these extravagant things, right? The more you reduce down, the better it is. And this is almost like a minimalistic approach to life, too. Um, but your question was, where do you uh, start? Yeah. If somebody's just looking yeah. to, to dabble. Cause like, listen, I'm not, I went off of YouTube. I'm typing in YouTube. I've dabbled mm-hmm. in yin yoga. Cause for me, holding the postures are, are, are helpful. But then even with YouTube, like Kriya yoga, that's not, that's not real Kriya yoga. I'm like, yo, who's this girl? Mary Beth Casa telling me, teaching me about this shit, you know? Well, also too, like never, this is, this is an interesting thing because there's a lot of charlatans out there. There's a lot of really great teachers out there. And a lot of times what happens is people get popular because they taught asana and they teach asana well, which is the movement, right? But maybe they don't disseminate the pranayama or the deeper wisdoms or the meditations as well, right? So like you have to figure out, and and this is kind of where you can kind of cherry pick, like, oh, maybe you get your asana from this person. Maybe you get your breath work from this person. Mm. Maybe you get your meditation from this person. And I wouldn't say like go to one thing for everything, right? That's, that's not how I look at it because actually my practice is, you know, studying hundreds of different approaches to all of this and kind of finding what works best for me. And actually one of the things I'm working on is in my partner, she's, you know, if I have a baseline knowledge that I can explain it well, she is like the Sanskrit scholar. She knows, you know, she critics my pronunciation of words. She knows the stories inside and out on a deeper level. And we actually balance each other really nice, but um, I'm actually trying to work on a document that actually 
we'll break down all the lineages. Cause I was like, I, cause I come from a graphic design background and I'm like, I need like an infographic of all these lineages explained and how they branch off from one another. And that's, that's something that's, again, that's another project we talked about that's on the back burner for now, but that's something I'm working on. So like when people come to this stuff, they're not overwhelmed because it can be very overwhelming um, and not to overwhelm people right now, but I do want to talk about the other two parts of my practice, morning practice, which is, so I, I did uh, I do my hip workout. Then I do my asana practice, which is movement. Then I get to my pranayama uh, and I do, it's the really, you can try this one too. I found again, the most simple things are actually the best. Um, and what I do is I lay on my back. I take um, an inhale, actually through my mouth. Let me do that again. And then you can breathe into your shoulders. You can breathe into your chest or you can breathe into your stomach and you can alternate what you do on each day, mm. but stick with it for that, for those, for these 30 breaths. You're going to take 30 in 30 out real easy, not four. So just count to 30. Keep track on your hands, whatever it is. Then when you get to the last one, take a deep breath in. And you're actually going to hold your breath for as long as you can. And you might be surprised. Maybe you can only hold your breath for 30 seconds. Maybe it's a minute. You know, um, work your way up. I'm at like three minutes right now in a good bit. So I hold my breath. And sometimes in a hurry, so I hold for one minute. <laughs> so that's the sequence. So you do 30, 30 in and out. Hold as long as you can. And we're not trying to pass ourselves out either, like, Let's, let's be serious. We don't, we're not trying to, <laughs> we're, it's not a competition. Hold your breath as long as you can, but you know, no one's watching, sure. right? So uh, you're going to do that three times. So that sequence three times. By the end, you're going to be blissed out. You're going to be like, why the hell was I so angry about that, this issue I have? Or why am I, why am I only looking at the situation like this? You know, there's, a, there's a myriad of ways of doing it, right? You're going to feel lighter. And then actually what happens is you can roll that right into meditation. And actually, yes. if you look at the, se- the sequencing of the eight limbs, this is how they more or less work, right? You, you do a movement practice, you do a breath practice, and then you're, you're prepared for meditation. And actually the last four limbs of yoga are actually all about meditation, right? It's all about withdrawing the senses. It's about concentrating. And then it's after we're concentrating, it's about letting go of that concentration. And then if we do all of that, we can have a blissful divine Bliss. experience. Samadhi, yeah, right? yes, exactly. So that's kind of the, the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, I think, a lot of us have come across these different teachings and it sounds like you're, you're already doing a lot of them, right? But what I'm, what, what my message is to people is actually sequence those things. You'll actually be able to get to these, to these deeper so, states. So you're saying I should put the flow first, do, do, do the posturing first yep. and then yep. breath work and then into the, the meditation. Yeah. What, that's, right. you know, that, that's how it was designed. That's not, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. No, but, but like, you it know, kind of makes sense. It kind of, yeah. 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 Well, well, that's actually what I think this is a, my message for guys too is like the way I got actually into meditation was like, I used to run on the beach when I lived in California. I do these beach workouts and then I go for a couple mile run and then I'd be ready to meditate. I had to like break myself down mentally, physically to like remove everything so that I could sit. So that's kind of why I got used to, you know, working out then meditating. And I think it's actually a good technique um, to give, to give a try. No, that makes total for me. It always felt weird. Cause I just always, I was just used to always meditate. Like I like to wake up four thirty a.m. and then start the meditation. But for yep. me, it's always weird doing like you do your your mind work. Then you're going to mm-hmm. the gym. You're taking your you got to do all the douchey stuff, and I'm going back to yoga. So just flipping, starting yoga in the front. I think that would just that sounds good physically. And if that's what the ancient texts say, I'm doing that. I'm doing <laughs> it. I, but if yeah. somebody's looking to like, if I wanted to find asanas, like the classic 
correct odds and is not from whoever has the most views on YouTube, where would you suggest? Is there just basic six or seven or eight poses? Like, how would you break that down? It's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, Atha Yoga, with the H, Atha. Um, Hatha Yoga? Probably, Atha, yeah. H with the H, H-A-T-H-A. I think probably has really good, strong sequencing. Um, But sometimes they can be a little strict. And then there's different, there's even different schools within Atha yoga um, or Hatha yoga. Um, but they'll have, they'll have guides of how to posture the butt. They, they have that down. What I like is uh, vinyasa flow. Mm-hmm. And vinyasa flow is kind of not as strict as, Atha, and this is, again, this is my interpretation of, and, you know, I've had different teachers, you know, in LA, I've had different teachers on the East Coast. Uh, you know, I have, I've seen some teachers on the East Coast that go really fast. And I like a little bit of a slower pace. Like you can get a little bit of a, you can get a whole workout, but you can take our time. You can, you, you, you actually make it a dance, right? And this is actually another thing important to talk about is like all the Asian teachers will tell you, like, if you can't dance, if you're afraid to dance, you're not, you're nowhere close to enlightenment. So like make things a dance in your life. And actually that's why I like this uh, style of, of, uh, of vinyasa flows because it's like this graceful elegance that you can incorporate in your practice, right? And it's almost like almost like a ballet in a way, like an athletic, strong ballet, right? And if you want to make fun of dancers, well, have you ever seen a dancer's body? They're some of the most fit, agile in their body, in control of their body, um, people in the world. So I would say start with vinyasa. That's that's my personal favorite, but I like a lot of movement. There's there's I mean, there's so many styles, and this is actually why I want to make this chart so we can break this down for everyone. Because then if you're, you know, if you're female, you might not need, you might need to rest, especially this is important uh, for guys to know about, but when your woman's on her moon or when she's bleeding, you know, it's important to make sure you're not pressuring her to, to achieve at the level you're achieving because you're actually living on a 24 hour cycle. She's living on a 24 day cycle, right? So our, our, our hormones as men are fluctuating on a whole 24 hour cycle. They're, they're going on a month, right? Cause they, they release an egg and it's a whole different process. So the more you can become aware of that, the more you can actually be in, Dude, in, that in is, line with your partner. That is a really cool little piece. I've never heard anybody yeah. say that before. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, I didn't make it up. I just, you know, observed this with being in relationships with women, uh, studying these teachings. And this is the other thing too, is like, as you cultivate these other sides, this kind of brings it back to where we're in the beginning of the conversation is it, is you cultivate these feminine, feminine aspects, you actually be, you know, you, you bring your ba- your body into more balance, right? You're not this over, you know, angry, ma- hyper-masculine thing, you know, but you're also not this soft, you know, feminine, delicate thing. You're somewhere in the middle and you can actually fluctuate, right? And that's kind of how I see myself these days, right? Like I can go into my art side or I can go in my athletic side when I go to boxing, right? So again, cultivating all this and then even, you know, a lot of us want to be in relationships or we're looking for a relationship, just being mindful of these things in the... Uh, you know, if we're, if we're a straight person being, uh, understanding what's going on in the opposite sex can help you have a better relationship too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, in my twenties, I was trying to do the whole power money thing. And like, listen, you get girls from, you get the ones, the not the best yeah. ones. And you start talking about what just feels right and authentic. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Like it's, you know, you, it just, you open up a little more. Cause that was always, I would say my issue, New York guys and all this stuff. Um, it's, it's really like the more you grasp onto that masculinity, the more you kind of, it falls away. Like, like you're grasping onto sand. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, bring it back to death, like you are grasping on the sand. You're you're grasping onto this construct you've built of yourself in your mind. And you know, I hate to break it to to everyone, but you know, we're gonna die. 
And all these delusions of reality we thought and all these things we thought about ourselves about others will literally fade away as we blend back into whatever's next, you know, and, 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 and that's the great thing about yoga. It just, it gives you a new relationship to it, prepares you for it. And I think you asked the question of how does, how does yoga prepare you for that? Um, it's like these small things you don't even realize are happening over time. You keep doing your practices. You keep waking up doing yoga, keep meditating, keep doing breath work. And these, these small changes keep occurring over time. And before you realize it, I like to say that you have a direct experience, that you have these epiphanies, right? That's what an epiphany is. It's like this, this change of view and you change your relationship to it. And that's actually a mini death right there. So you're having that mini death to your relationship to yourself. Like self-love was a thing I had to work on, right? Um, you change your relationship to you know, friends, family, but most importantly, you change it to yourself. When you actually begin to treat yourself with love, kindness, and respect, like that's where you have to start. You can't go, can't just expect to go be a good person in the world if you're not actually treating yourself with love, yourself with kindness. So like, that's what these practices help cultivate. Um, this word of mindfulness, like that's like the first two limbs of yoga is, is these outward and inward practices of mindfulness, right? And that's where it all starts. Shiva, I'm gonna end it there because that was just <laughs> you just crushed it for the last 10 minutes, man. That was um that was beautiful, dude. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm gonna put all the information below on, yeah. on Shiva's music, on the mudras. I know you've been working on something with that. Working the, on a book, yep. Yeah, a little bit of everything, but um, please reach out to, to him, reach out to me if you guys want to connect anything. Um, that's it, Shiva. Anything else coming up you want to talk about? Uh Right now, I'm just working on, I've got a couple of retreats coming up for next year. So if you do um, want to cultivate a stronger yoga practice, or you know, maybe you're a beginner, maybe you've been doing it for a few years, and you're interested in this word I talked about, sadhana, uh, cultivating a really strong practice on a daily basis or we, you know, every other day basis, um, that's what uh, my retreats focus on is cultivating this really strong foundation. Because once you have that foundation, uh, life begins to blossom in a new way, and you can uh, grow in expand from there. So we're doing probably, probably at least four retreats next year. Uh, probably one in the States, Mexico, probably Bali, and then maybe Greece. So all my links, he'll share them here. Um, you can sign up for the retreat information that'll, we'll probably be announcing a lot of those, uh, in the next coming weeks. Uh, the Bali one sounds good to me. So hopefully I'll <laughs> yeah. see you there. Come um, on, man. Do let's do it. Uh, everybody, thank you guys so much. All the support. If you're on the new YouTube channel, you know what to do. Click that subscribe button. Uh, listening for two, over two years now, we've been doing this. Thank you guys so much for the support. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, as always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Namaste.